Okay. Um, our psychologist, a virtual assistant, um, it's, it's kind of silly to call our assistant an assistant when she's really has a master's in psychology. It's like nuts to call her an assistant. So she's a teammate on in room one and she's on with us today. And I was just practicing the enabling talking, disabling talking, because that wasn't working. That function in Zoom wasn't working um, last month. So anyway, that's all worked out. Good evening. Thank you so much for going with the flow. I had to take the baby bunny to the vet. And so thanks for accommodating moving this back an hour. The baby bunny's fine. She just had to get a checkup before she gets her spay surgery. Um, okay. Who has anything they want to talk about? We have Pleasant Evening and Sunbeam on with us. And then um, we can get rolling. And you guys know the drill by now. If you want to volunteer by raising your hand or um, going into the chat and putting a question. Okay. So Pleasant Evening has our hand raised. And I just wanted to put this out there that we try really hard to get to everybody who wants coaching if their hand is raised. That's the only way we know that you want coaching or if you put something in the chat. So if you want coaching, please raise your hand so we, we know. And then I don't know about Kelly's policy, but my policy is to just stay on until everybody has their um, questions answered. So we've got pleasant evening first, raise your hand first, and then sunbeam second. All right. Here we go. Hi, Jess. Hey. Um, I wanted to know from a coaching standpoint, like tips to help stop ruminating. Um, I know there's things like, you know, setting an alarm. So there's something to break the thought process. But anything else you suggest? Because my current ruminations are wasting so much time. It's crazy. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up. Ruminating, I have figured out, is actually our ticket to paradise. So I'm going to show you guys something. Um, let me get my board. Hi. I just almost knocked it over. Okay. Ruminating, it's really cool, right? Okay, so ruminating is a super um, common thing that we do in the human brain. And ruminating actually gives us this pathway to something better. And what I like to do with my own ruminating and what I would encourage people to play around with is actually itemize what it is you're ruminating about. So let's, because ruminating is a part of our default programming. So if we put, we make a default list on one side. Uh, can you see that? Okay, so what are the sentences that you're ruminating about? What are the sentences going through your brain? Um, my, our practice manager is a fraud. Like no one's paying me. Um, he's controlling the uh, practice owner's brain. Hold on. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no one is paying me. What was the third thing? Um, he's controlling the, uh, senior partner's brain. Um, which is that statement is also a statement about the senior partner, probably some form <laughs> of judgment about the senior partner, right? Like the senior partner's yeah. idiot or a milk toast or what? Um, he's just very, very passive. Um, he's always been very dependent on his practice managers. Like I think a lot of doctors are, um, so do you think it's really like so sweet and whitewashed that it's like, oh, he's passive or is it like this guy's a motherfucking idiot? Or, you know, like the junior partner says, we don't know if he's an idiot or if he's a genius. Ah, uh, you don't, you really don't know. Like he might be in a position of being the evil mastermind of criminal, like the, um, putting himself in a position for plausible deniability or something. Yeah. Like either he's, um, the mastermind and is completely taking care of himself while everything like blows up or he's the idiot that's letting everything blow up and he will eventually go down with it. Okay. So ruminating is an action. We see that in the action line of the model that we talk about. 
So mm-hmm. typically when this is something I discovered recently too, this is super interesting. Typically when we're operating in default mode, we're in our CTFAR and it's going in an anti-grade fashion. So let me just flip flip here for a second. So our default model is C, oops, C-T-F-A-R, and it's going like this. Like the circumstance drives the thought, the thought drives the feeling, the feeling drives the actions, and the actions drive the result. So you've got ruminating in your action line, and there's probably some feeling that's driving the rumination, probably anger, frustration. What yeah, is both, of the, both of those. Okay. And it's when we're in the default mode, this is so fascinating. It's almost as if we are obligated to do the action. When we're going in this anti-grade fashion through, you know, the circumstance triggers the thought, the thought causes the feeling, the feeling drives the action, and then the action produces a result. It feels very um, cagey, like you're in a cage, like you have no choice but to ruminate because you feel so terrible. So you're ruminating and it's like this, it's like the there, the, the different lines of the model are kind of like in lockstep. But what's really cool is, is when we go into our strategic mode, that doesn't happen. It's like open. We can kind of freely move about the cabin and bounce between different thoughts and different feelings and different actions. And our actions aren't dependent upon the way we feel. So put let's put a pin in that and then go back to your ruminating. And you asked at the start, like how to how to not do this. And I don't know that there's like a reason to not do it. It's not a problem to ruminate. It's a problem to be stuck ruminating. Right? Yeah. So the exercise that I like to do is itemize the things you're ruminating about. So actually write the sentences down and then ask yourself two questions. One, is this true? Okay. So <laughs> one is, is this true? And the other one is, is this useful? So the first one, practice manager is a fraud. Is that true? Um, I keep getting more and more information that it quite possibly may be true. Okay. So maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Is it relevant? (laughs) I don't think so. Like, it's not helping. Like, if he's a fraud, everyone's everyone's turning a blind eye. So, I mean, I can't do anything. Yeah. So this thought, as you're ruminating, and it's going, it's occupying space in your brain, it's draining your energy, it's sucking your time, Mm -hmm. it's making your experience of the world shitty. Mm -hmm. So you ask yourself, is this true? Well, maybe. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Is it useful? No, it's not useful. Mm -hmm. But what would be useful instead? So this would be strategic. Um, I would say like coming up with a plan to counter him, but I'm feeling a little defeated because every plan I'm coming up with has been failing. Yeah. So let's not jump to the plan. Let's just strictly uh-huh. deal with the rumination right now and be uh-huh. like, okay, because this thought is going on and on and on in your head, occupying space in your head. It may be true. It's not useful, but what would be useful to occupy space in your head? Something along the lines of, This guy might be a fraud, but I'll figure a way out. Something (laughs) super simple, just super simple. It's like, allow it to be there. Like, because if you say that, like, he might be a fraud. But I'll find a way out. What that does is it kind of dislodges this as a thought that's like going over and over and over in your head. It doesn't even require you to get rid of it. And then it gives you this little soft off ramp. Like I'll find a way. Okay. It's just, it's an exercise that requires repetition because you're literally making new brain pathways when you do this. So then let's go to the next one. No one is paying me. That's true. You're not getting a paycheck. Yeah. 
Is that useful? No, it's not because it, the thought in and of itself, when it strays that way, makes you a victim. Mm -hmm. And when you're a victim, you're completely powerless. So what would be a powerful thing that you could, you could think instead? Okay. It's like what you and I were texting about. We're like, eventually I could stop working for free. I'm almost there, by the way. I'm so close. (laughs) I said, I'm almost there. I'm so close. Yeah. No one is paying me. It's like, oh, I don't work for free. Um, But then, you know, then I feel like there's a link between the first two thoughts where I'm like, well, I feel like the practice manager is a fraud and that's why we have no money. And then that's why no one's paying me. Right. And so those things all might be true, but they, they really create this scenario where there's a villain and a victim. Yeah. And when there's a villain, irrespective of how real the villain may be, it puts you in a position of powerlessness and that's shitty. And when you're powerless against a a villain, you are stuck in a prison. It's like a small, tiny box that you cannot escape from. And part of that small, tiny box, you know, the, the, the walls are built by these thoughts in your brain. So the point of this exercise is, is we're not going to change your circumstance. Like this is a, this is a process, right? This is like Mm -hmm. a legal issue. This is something that's going to be drawn out over however many months or whatever. But right now your experience of it doesn't have to be quite so, uh, stinky because of you, like, actually creating more of the um, sort of like adding more feelings. Yeah. Like adding to it. It it adds binding to an already shitty situation. And the way that you get out is by figuring out where your power is. And the way you do that is by taking these thoughts and asking yourself, is it true? Yes or no. Is it useful? And if it's not, useful, we, we analyze it almost like a scientist and say, okay, this one didn't work. So what would work? What would be powerful here? Well, what's powerful is a lesson that you now know that you don't work for free. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you're at a position in the board, uh, the board's pathway that you can stop, then you don't work for free. Yeah. These Here's the other thing to keep in mind too, because this is an exercise I'm talking about doing. And it's not like you have to marry these thoughts. You just try them on and you see like, okay, well, what does it feel like when I think that? Um, so, okay, let's move on to the next one. He's controlling the senior's brain, the senior partner's brain. So is that true? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it really might be true. And I'm not here to suggest that it isn't. I mean, it really might be true. You do have a lot of evidence that suggests that it is. But yeah. is that useful? No. Again, no. It's, like, it's like villain, victim, villain, victim. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, there's probably, there's like a higher, um, What's the right word? Like a higher, my own coach calls them high profit thoughts and low profit thoughts because she's a business okay. coach. So she talks, talks about everything in terms of like power and profits and stuff like that. But is that a low, it's a, is it a low power thought or a high power thought? Well, this is a low power thought. He's controlling the senior's brain. What would be um, a high power thought? Probably that. Yeah, go on. Go ahead. I don't know. Like, it doesn't really matter if he is. <laughs> yes. Again, yeah. this might be something that's like totally irrelevant. This is a legal yeah. issue. It's a legal yeah. issue. This is something yeah. that has to be handled by legal professionals. You know, I have talked to several legal professionals and they're like, uh, this sounds really bad. We don't know if we can get you out of this. And I was like, great. Even you think this is terrible. That's what I'm saying, right? And so like spinning spinning and um these this internal soup. Man, it's just it just adds fuel to your own fire, you know what I mean? 
Okay. I'm full of all these cliches tonight. It's <laughs> kind of annoying myself. Um, okay. So senior partner is either an idiot or a mastermind. So that might be true. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Is it useful? I don't know. No, Cause again, really it like, doesn't, like it. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And so then it's like, okay, well, what would be useful or powerful? It's like, you know what, again, this is a legal issue and like it's his responsibility to figure out or something. Well, this is like, again, this is a legal issue. I'm going to be my own mastermind. Yeah. He doesn't know what kind of mastermind I am. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you kind of are. (laughs) If you think about it, like if you think about some of the ways in which you've like gone around to the ERs and gotten people to send you consults and um, you've been kind of like learning how to mastermind this for a while. And yeah, I actually um, just got the hospital today to take my call contract away from the group and give it to me. So now I'll get my pay directly from them. There you go. Oh, hello. Yeah. It's a mastermind. Here's yeah. the funny thing, though, is that your brain cannot, can't celebrate that because it's too busy, just stuck in this rumination. So it's like the the wins that we do experience, we don't even recognize or celebrate. And it's in this, the recognition and celebration of those little wins that our power grows. It's like feeding a gizmo mogwai thing after midnight. It will just grow. Um, so this is, this is the exercise. I do this myself. I do this in my one-on-one coaching. We always... Well, not always, but anytime there's a rumination issue, I think it's really important to look at that. The other thing that's really interesting about itemizing the things that you ruminate about are typically it's some form of a complaint. And as you've heard me say this before, um, complaints are the voice of unmet desires in mm-hmm. women um, on the whole have been groomed to suppress desire. So we have a desire to be paid fairly. We have a desire to be in a workspace where we can kill it at our job and actually have a contract that's honored and our time that's honored and uh, staff that is capable of helping and somebody who can make sure insurance stuff is squared away. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, we can look at these right. more information and see, okay, these are probably some form of a complaint. And so what is that complaint telling you? It's telling you about an unmet desire that you have. Like in a way, this, that's why I think these ruminating thoughts are so critical to like actually pay attention to them and see what it is they're trying to tell you about you because they're going to give you this path to power here because they tell you exactly kind of how to shift your thought. And then they also tell you what it is that you really, really want. So I could see myself, you know, like purposefully doing this, like you said, writing down all the thoughts, Mm -hmm. but I guess my impetus in bringing this up is I'm noticing particularly in the mornings, like I know how long it takes me to get ready. Right. Mm -hmm. But I will like unintentionally end up ruminating for long periods of time. Like today I showed up to clinic so late and I was like, how did I end up like thinking about this for so long accidentally? So I was like, how do I break that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Practice. Recognizing when you're doing it, not Mm -hmm. beating yourself up when you're doing it and just being like, oh yeah, there I'm doing that funny human thing again where I ruminate. This is not a big deal. What's it trying to tell me? Yeah, and, it's like, I'll catch myself and refocus. And all of a sudden I'm ruminating again. I'm like, you have to go to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here's the fun thing is I do it all the time simultaneously while I'm doing other things. So I'll be, you know, I can't even think of something recently. Washing the dishes. Washing the dishes. Yesterday I took my daughter to buy jeans, which is like the single most 
horrific experience that two people could do together. <laughs> yes, I, I had my memories as a young and two. <laughs> so anyway, but um, like, you know, while you're just going about your business and you just catch yourself, you don't have to sit down and write this all out. Now, there is something to be said about writing. There's um, maybe Diane could even comment on this, where when we physically write, like even more than typing, it does something to our kind of imprint of the new pathway. Um, but I, I don't write stuff down. I don't journal. I don't take time out of my day. I'm watching too much Grey's Anatomy. Come on. So <laughs> I like do it all internally in my brain and I just catch myself and I say, oh, oh, I'm doing it again. And then I say, okay, is this even true? Like, is this even true what I'm thinking right now? And most of the time it's no, sometimes it's yes. And sometimes it's maybe. And then I say, all right, but is this useful? And I'll be like, nope, it's really not useful. And then I say, well, what would be? And I literally ask myself those questions. And the funny thing is, is when you ask yourself questions, the brain wants to answer them. So you just, it just is small moves to set yourself on a new path. Okay. And it has I like that. I think practice. that's going to be helpful. Yeah. Practice, 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 practice. Okay, good. Thank you. It's very yeah. helpful. Um, and before I jump off, I've been mm-hmm. meaning to text you um, like a positive coaching update outcome. I no right. longer hate operating at Gossip Hospital. And um, they have like a physician survey. But on the survey, you can only give negative feedback. There's no room for positive feedback. So both days last week, I told the nursing manager, I was like, hey, the cases went great. So thanks for that. Nice. Yeah. Baby steps, my friend. Yes. So okay. we got to get some wins somewhere. I'm telling you and celebrate. So, yeah, but thank you. You're welcome. All righty. So let's uh, disable talking for a pleasant evening. Okay, Sunbeam, here you come. I'm here. Hi, Sunbeam. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, got something I've been kind of thinking about for a while. But first, thank you for the rumination talk. I actually like kind of keep a little note of different ideas of things to coach on. Yeah. And tonight, and there's a whole section on rumination, and I'm down to only one thing on it. And so I must be getting better at it, but I like the coaching on it. That was great. I'm so glad. It's funny, right? Like our feelings, I think I've told everybody this too, like feelings are like when our patients come to us with a fever, we would never go to our patient like, well, just stop having that fever, you idiot. Like, stop it. We don't do that. But when we have a feeling such as frustration or anger, we get so upset with ourselves that we even have the emotion. And the feeling is trying to tell us something. It's trying to tell us like, what the fuck? And then- And then in the next line down, the action line, the rumination is an action. And that also gives us information. So it's so funny how we spend all this time trying to get out of it. But but that's where all the treasure is. It's like the roadmap to a new place. It's so awesome. It's also if you continue to think about the thought or tell yourself not to think the thought, you still are thinking the thought. You have to just like find something else you are and and you're basically cementing it right it's like yeah. like I was trying to explain it creates a prison of sorts and you're cementing those thoughts in your brain when you think them in that way but when you just give yourself the little off-ramp of is this true is this useful and well what would be it's so great okay what's your thing okay my theme oh that's hard um it's gonna sound bad thing thing I can't um, speak tonight okay yeah um, so I, this sounds weird, but I want to lower my expectations. Why? Uh, so I'm starting working with a new group of APPs and I am a perfectionist as most surgeons, a lot of surgeons are, I won't classify most, but a lot. Um, and I hold other people to that standard, which is not a good standard of perfect. I think excellent is a better Yes. Um, because we are all human. Um, but I need to figure out how to, I guess, communicate differently, even while having that expectation. Um, because that excellence can come across as 
micromanaging when things aren't getting done um, or followed up on or things to that effect. Okay. Um, let's go from there. I love this. I have a secret love affair in my brain with Michael Jordan, who is like, I think the single greatest example we have of human performance where he is in or was in relentless pursuit of excellence. And in doing so, won so many championships. I don't give a shit about basketball, but his performance, his human performance is just noteworthy. And the goals that they reached as a team with their championships and how his commitment to his expectations for performing at a certain level actually was an invitation of sorts for everybody around him to rise up and he would not let off the gas with his co-workers, his teammates. Now, I'm not saying you have to be relentless like Michael Jordan. I mean, he's like this big example, but we can take that framework and apply it to our own lives and just ask ourselves, what happens when we lower our expectations? Everybody loses. You lose for sure, because you don't get what you want. And everybody around you loses out on an opportunity to be better, better skilled, uh, better whatever. So I think a more powerful, you know, point of view might be to see, to say the latter part of what you were just talking about and focus on how do you maintain your expectations and invite people in a delightful way to join you in excellence? (laughs) That sounds lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So can we have a specific example of something that's gone down recently? Um, sure. I guess I'll, so I have one nurse practitioner who has kind of approached me and said, you know, she wants more autonomy. Um, you know, doesn't want me kind of like texting about little stuff all day long. Um, so I have kind of taken that to heart. And so today I, you know, said, Hey, after we finish this case, you know, this patient could go home tonight if she looks good and she wants to, you know, go check on her later. And, you know, finally at like 7.30, 7 o'clock, I noticed, hey, she's still admitted. I wonder if she checked on her. And so I texted her to ask because um, there weren't any notes or anything and she forgot. Um, and it's just like, if I didn't do that, this patient would have stayed admitted for a whole nother night. Um And, you know, luckily the patient lives close and still wants to leave and everything else. Um, So she, you know, got out of here at eight o'clock, still sun's still up, not a big deal. Um, But it's, it's little stuff like that, that, you know, people, people aren't dying, but it delays care um, when stuff gets missed and it's little stuff gets missed, but worsens an AKI for an extra day and stuff that can't add up. So when that happens... Let's do your default model and see where that took you. So um, I know what I'm thinking. There's not a snowball's chance in hell I'm giving you autonomy. <laughs> Get a patient. Like that's, a, that's where my brain goes. But um, where did your brain go when, when this happened? I, I just in my head said, like, well, this is why I follow up on all of the little crap. Yeah, so that's probably like a euphemistic way to say what you were really thinking. Is my guess. Is that, am I close? That sounds like really, just the way you said that just now sounded like really nice. (gasps) (laughs) Maybe I've tried to train myself to be nicer in the last two weeks. I don't know. Yeah, but nice isn't what gets it done. And yes, but nice is what helps me keep my job here. Okay. 
Okay, so we'll go with what you thought, which was, say it again. Uh, this is exactly why I follow up on all the little crap. And then how are you feeling? Um, exasperated. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how did you act when you felt exasperated? So what did you do or how did you show up? I mean, I, I just moved on and went and ate dinner. <laughs> I but you them. didn't, right? Like you didn't really... I mean, when you communicated with her, you showed up with her in a way. How was that? I, she said, oh, no, I, I mean, she, she just said she had it, but, um, you know, she can go right now. And I said, that would be great. I don't know. I left it at that. Okay. So she ended up going to check on the patient then? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Okay, so you're feeling exasperated. Are you still feeling exasperated about it? Um, not about this specific situation, but I'm exasperated about all of the desire of APPs to get autonomy and work independently when they have not nearly the amount of training or knowledge or forethought. Oh, okay. So that's then that's, that's a the painful thing is like the you know, I guess if we're talking about ruminating or thoughts or whatever, it's like, like, how dare they? I'm putting a lot of my own thoughts into this, obviously. <laughs> that's, that's okay. About it. Like, how dare they ask for this autonomy when they suck? Or how dare they, you know, blah, 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 when she can't even remember to see this one patient? Or how dare they when I've got a gazillion more hours under my belt than them? How dare they get mad that all they do is write notes and see patients when what, what, and answer phone calls when like, yeah, to me, that's your job description as an inpatient APP. Um, right. Right. Especially surgery. You don't do surgery. So. Yes. And so then we end up getting into like judgment territory too, which I'm not saying is wrong, but it just is. So like, then we're like, oh, they're so sensitive and they can't handle stuff and you know, they, they can't even do the simple tasks they're supposed to do. And it goes out of control from there. And so then the result is, is you have to follow up on everything you take, you do everything. And then they continue to complain and be mad. So it's like a stuckness. It's like a stagnation. There's no movement with this. That's kind of how that feels to me. How does it feel to you? Yeah. Um, I guess it's just, I feel like this has like happened so many times that yeah, I like with, with multiple people that I just, I don't know how to change the interaction that makes it so people do what they need to do. And I can trust them to do that. Yeah. Okay. So then let's, come up with your strategic model. So what's the ideal outcome here? So another way to phrase the result, if you guys are ever doing this for yourselves as an exercise, you can ask yourself, well, what's my ideal outcome? And that would be the result. I suppose the ideal outcome would be to have a kick-ass NPP or APP who, um, just like a kick-ass team who like, we're all on the same page. We make a plan at the beginning of the day together. I'm not like a dictator. I, you know, want everybody else's opinion. They're seeing the patients too. Um, you know, that then that plan enacted without me micromanaging everything. Love it. Okay. So now what we're going to do is we're going to work backwards. This is the strategic side. And so then what would need to happen for you to have a kick-ass team? Um, everybody needs to be on the same page. Gonna say yeah, I need buy-in. Yeah. Like define the stakes 
for people because once people have their stakes, that gives, you know, that gets you your buy-in. Um, what else would you have to do? Like, you'd have to have like some kind of a set, probably like a, um, what am I trying to say? Like a set routine, probably. So there are like specific time points where you guys know you're going to touch base with each other or something along those lines where the, the day is going to kind of like be executed in a certain way. Yeah, that's a good idea. So we'll set a routine um, with like, my husband and I do this. We call them comm checks because we're both in the military. So we're such cheese balls. All of our text messages to each other are all like military speak. It'll be like comm check, sit rep, blah, 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 super fast. But we check in with each other throughout the day in order to communicate information about how things are going. We're, it's not that we're trying to micromanage each other. We're trying to stay on the same page. That might be something you could do, not with the military language, but um, or or with the military language, but just to have like a routine set up. So you guys are checking in with one another on purpose, not for micromanagement. Yeah, and that's kind of what my check ins have kind of been from my standpoint of, yeah. hey, let's stay on the same page. I've heard this. Have you heard that? Um, You know, because different people get different pages, but it's apparently coming across as micromanaging. Okay. So what do you think you're, um, that's really interesting. There's obviously it takes two to tango and anytime something's going on, if we're watching it on a movie screen, we can see what the APP is doing and we can see what the surgeon is doing on the movie screen. And we can see how those two things are kind of like interacting with each other to create sort of like this overall impression. So if we were watching this on a movie screen, Maybe we would get the impression that you're micromanaging or maybe we wouldn't, but let's take a look at what both sides are bringing to determine what it is you could potentially do differently. So let's first look at what they're bringing. They're bringing like multiple requests for autonomy. I am in my own head immediately went to like a very whiny voice. (laughs) So I think I'm like, painting in some yeah color here that may or may not be accurate but what do you think um i mean i see where they're coming from because to them they went to extra schooling to have that opportunity to more care for the patient mm-hmm. so they want to be making more decisions Um, Mm. and part of the problem is, in my opinion, their education and what some people do is not standard of care. So it's different than what I do. Yeah. Um, or standard of care, evidence-based medicine, because some things here are done how they were done 10, 20 years ago. Um, so I'm a little different than some people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that does make it hard for them. And I can see that. Um, I try to provide education on that, which mm-hmm. is not always received well. I don't know where I was going. No, that's okay. I, it's just, it's, I think these details matter when we're trying to look to see where it is you could be a more skillful and influential communicator so that at the end of the interaction, this other person doesn't have this vibe that they were micromanaged, but rather they have this vibe that they are a really important part of their team, of this team. Right. I want them to feel empowered Mm -hmm. um, that they, you know, know what's going on and they know the right thing to do for the patients. And if they don't, they reach out, um, but not feeling like they necessarily have to reach out about every little detail, but at the same time, every now and then giving me some updates if something's going not according to plan. Yeah. One of the techniques I've used is radical responsibility, even um, in times where I may not be responsible for something. I consider that I might be. So like this might be a situation where maybe you micromanage and maybe you didn't, but You can just take responsibility in that way and just say either to yourself or with them, like, 
you know, I might be, you know, you might be right here. I might be really micromanaging this. I really want to take a closer look at how this is going down so I can understand from your point of view what's going on here, because I know that you guys have strengths and I know that there are some things that we can change about the way we talk to one another so that you can have more autonomy and I can feel comfortable that things are getting done. Do you know what I mean? It's like opening up a line of communication with them that is um, like when you lead with saying, you might be right. I really might be micromanaging here. It's, it sets this tone for, um, openness, like it almost provides like a sense of safety that they're not going to get chastised or something for having an opinion. Now, I'm not saying their opinion's true. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But unless we consider the possibility, you can't really like, um, yeah, I mean, if they know that it's just going to get shot down, then they're never going to bring up their opinion. That's right. Um, I feel like my words are not coming very easily tonight, but I hope that's coming across. It's a technique. It's a technique uh, to get you guys on the same page, basically. It's like, instead of coming at them with this idea internally or externally that I don't micromanage them or I have to micromanage you, you stupid ding-dongs, like either way, that's going to be like an affront or very uh, like bracing when you're interacting, which isn't pleasant for anybody. Anyway, something to consider. I got off track. So I wrote down one other thing too. It's like identify and play to their strengths. Because these are all nurses, and if they're on the floor doing patient work, then they do certainly have a lot of strengths to interface with patients. Um, what else might you need to do to have a kick-ass team? I don't know. I feel like I'm too sleep-deprived to brainstorm very much tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so Ramona... I hope that's not her real name. Um, otherwise, I just blew it for uh, being private. Says, I was going to ask what your state and hospital laws rules are for APPs, because then you can discuss them with them that it's important for you to be aware of what's going on and that it doesn't mean they can't have some autonomy, just like with residents. And they can show you that they can earn autonomy with graduated responsibility, but it is something to be earned. I love this point. Set up a, like a, um, like layout graduated responsibility, like make it, um, clear, just like you would with any job. Well, we don't really get this kind of training, but in the real world where people go to work and have a job, they usually have a job description with some sort of uh, you know, program for how they can make their way through the job and rise up and get more responsibility. So lay it out for them. And this, each of these points are points where you can, you can actually discuss. It doesn't have to be that you're the dictator laying it all down. It could be like, this is what I had in mind. I know you guys, um, have these uh, particular skills with interfacing with patients. And so what do you think? Like, this is what I had in mind. What do you think? And then just see what they have to say, because it might be a very collaborative way to establish like the rules of engagement for your team. I'll just put there, ask them, what do you think? Okay. Okay, so now this is the cool part because it doesn't actually, you don't have to feel some joyful way in order to do these things. You can still feel exasperated and get these things done when we're working backwards like this. It just, 
is a better experience of the world when we have something, some kind of like a clean emotional fuel to um, drive it. So what would you like to feel like while you're executing these steps? I want to feel like I can trust them. Um, Yeah. Trust is the biggest thing I think that comes to mind. Okay. So what if trust is actually the thing that's the result of all the reps that you guys have with each other as you're developing your kick-ass team? Kind of like confidence is the result of doing our reps over and over again of a certain procedure. You get confident as a result. I'm going to add kick-ass team I trust at the bottom. I like confidence for the feeling. I do too, except that's a, it's the one that it's like when we continually work for the outcome, which is having the kick-ass team, it's like the trust and the confidence kind of take care of themselves. And maybe you do feel confident and that would be awesome. But my guess is, is you don't at baseline. And that's why it's kind of hard to do this. Yeah. Um, what about... I feel weary, maybe. Okay. Weary. What about... Um, um... Chronically worried. <laughs> what about determined? Or... Um, convicted. Yeah. Or determined. Because I feel like I'm, you know, determined to provide good care whether other people are helping or not. Yeah. The other thing you might think about would be great, grateful. Um, I'm just, I'm just brainstorming right now. Um, what's that feeling you get when you're facing like a fun challenge? Um, when you can just see how good it could really be. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're facing something and you just like, almost like when you're building Legos and you're just like, I just know that this is going to be so cool. Like you're, it's like this excitement or um, like a excited and curious determination or something along those lines. When you can just see it, you can see how kick-ass this team can be. You're like energized for the future. You're hopeful. You're optimistic. You're yes. Oh, hopeful and optimistic. Okay. So I'm going to write these down for you. So we've got determined. Um, can uh, convicted? I can't write convicted. Um, hopeful, optimistic. Oh, optimistic is good because these people. It doesn't sound like um your interaction with her. It's not like she started crying and having a tantrum, right? She just like, oh, I'll go take care of it. Is that kind of how it went down? Yeah, that is how it went down today, which is yeah. nicer than the past. So that's kind of an optimistic thing, right? It's like, oh, okay, yeah. well, maybe there is like. Um, there is hope we can turn a new leaf and. That's right. Um, so I was listening to a coaching playback for my my own coaching, which there's a lot of all. It's not doctors. There's one doctor in there, but this one woman is trying to find a new husband. And she was saying this, these words like, well, I'm not going to settle. And, um, you know, I just want somebody who's not going to mess up my life. And I, I understand that she wants to be powerful in the relationship. She, her last husband like was mentally abusive and she just doesn't want to be walked on. But what the coach asked her was really fascinating. It was kind of like, well, 
what if the way you shows up actually like encourages this other person who may not yet have risen to the level that he could be, but because of who you are and how you act, he actually becomes the man he really wants to be. And I was like, Ooh, that's kind of cool. Cause I think that that sort of stuff does happen, right? When we show up in a way that literally like pulls people up and helps them become like the better version of them. Like you have the opportunity to do this for these APPs. How awesome is that? How many patients will benefit from them being the best at what they do? And when I think about things in those terms, I am hella excited about it. Yeah. That's a situation where everybody wins. Anyway. um, Okay. So, and then what would you need to think in order to feel any of these things? We can be a team. We are a team. Yes. Like I'm thinking of something like this team is a diamond in the rough and we can make it a diamond. Like we just have to keep working at it. Like the raw material is there. Do you think that the raw material is there? Uh, at least for half the team. Like I said, it's a, it's going to be a new team in a few weeks for me. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to take in preconceived notions I've heard from other people. Um, some of them I've worked with in the past and they are excellent. Some of them I've heard some poor things, but I, yeah. there might be raw material there and they just need a different. Exactly. If we assume capability in other humans, it, it brings us to a whole new level of possibility. When we, like you said, like there are preconceived ideas around about these other people who aren't really performing. Like what if it's just all blank slate when they come with you and it's, you just assume capability. Like you could even, that could be the thought. I assume, I assume this, that they're capable and the raw materials there and we're just going to go for it. Like that is so open. It's so just that thought alone is filled with such possibility. It's not closed off to anything. Whereas thinking about, well, gosh, half these people really suck. I don't know how I'm going to deal with them. It's like, you've got hurdles before you've even met them. Yeah. And all of that influences how you show up. It's like the odor that emanates off of you is either going to be attractive or it's going to be repellent. And my guess is, is that it'll be attractive. If you're thinking things like, wow, we have the raw material. This is going to be fun. We are going to go to places nobody's ever tried to take these people. And it costs you nothing to think in those terms and increases the likelihood of you actually getting your ideal outcome of the kick-ass team that you trust. And because some of us might like think, well, that'll never work, right? That'll never work. I I don't just manifest good workers out of the ether. That's not the point. The point is, is we're trying to increase the likelihood that this all works out. We're trying to increase the factors that you have actual control over that are going to influence these people to be better. One of which is how you're thinking about it. I like that. Um, Diane, our resident psychologist says, assuming capability and creating a sense of shared accountability is a powerful way to build trust, which is what you want. I'll just, I'll write this up. The raw material is there. How do we create that sense of shared accountability? Like any general suggestions from a psych standpoint other than just like open communication. Yeah. Hey, Diane, could you come on for a couple minutes and, and talk a little bit? I'm going to allow Diane to talk. I'm putting you on the spot, Diane. Perfect. Hello. Um, so to your question about creating shared accountability, I think 
Um, people like to feel like they own their goals. So um, maybe that comes, it's a great thing to have a blank slate and, for example, start to work with a new team because you can create shared norms. You can bring them into that process of, okay, what? how do we want to operate as a team? What are our sh- shared goals? What does success look like for us? And then they come up with ideas, you know, or no mistakes or, you know, Um, the least amount of mistakes possible or whatever norms you want to set up, they can help be a part of that. And then um, obviously you said it, encouraging open communication. Uh, But the most important thing is getting those sort of team norms and values really clear and making them feel like they've been a part in creating those as well. So it's, um, it's shared accountability because they have ownership over those goals. If that makes sense. That does make sense. I want to add something to that too. Something that we often see in in medicine is hierarchies within teams. And a lot of times people don't feel comfortable or safe to speak up. And so something that I do with teams that I'm trying to build is, is I'll have an idea in my own mind as the leader of the team, how I want things to go down. Like I want the notes to be written by 10 a.m. I want all the plans to be communicated to the nursing staff on the floor by 7.40 a.m. I want all the patients to be rounded on and all the overnight events accounted for by 7 a.m. or whatever. Like there are certain things I have in my own mind about the way I think things should go down. And when I say that to, well, I work with residents more than APPs, but when I communicate in that way, it sounds like a dictator. It sounds like this power differential where I'm the leader, they're all subordinate and they don't have a say. And so what I like to do is just add a simple question at the end of it. I'll say something like, this is what I was thinking would make for a really great day for us, the patients, whomever, like I set it up in a kind of a casual way and I'll outline all the bullets of the way that I think something should go down. And then I say, well, what do you think? What would make it, what would make it good from your point of view? And just asking, what do you think for anything just gives people this invite to kind of come in and lay out what their goals might be. And then chances are you'll be able to get on the same page. And like Diane was saying, have the shared goals or like the other thing I'll do is if I'm stuck on something, um, I'm trying to think of an example, but. I can't think of one right off the top of my head, but like, I'll just ask somebody else. I'll say, you know, I'm kind of stuck here. What do you think? Oh, I did this actually the other day with a case that's really complicated. And I was thinking about it and kind of getting dug in on one particular way to execute this femur case. And I went to my former partner and I showed him the x-rays and I was just like, I'm stuck. What do you think? And that was it. And then all of a sudden there was this new dialogue and all these new ideas came out and now we're going to operate on the guy together next, next Thursday. So those are just some like strategic ways to engage people. Yeah. What do do you think is really powerful? Also, like um, if there's different people in the room saying, you know, like, are we, is it, are we missing anything? Is it anybody's viewpoint that we haven't considered, you know, kind of making sure that um, people have that, feel that opening to speak up um, if there is anything. That's a culture thing, right? You have to create that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps, Diane. Sunbeam, you're about to create your own culture on your team. This is exciting. And this is one of those noble situations where when executed uh, skillfully, everybody is going to be better on the other side of it. Everybody is going to be at a, at a higher level. And the people who win at the top of that is the patience when everybody is functioning like that. This is exciting. Okay. Racking if you're not very good at it. (laughs) What? (laughs) What'd you say? I said, or nerve racking if it's something you're not very good at. Okay. So that's, that's okay though. And then for everybody who's out there who we always throw our own little struggles into it. It's like, Oh, I'm not very good at this. Oh, it's going to be so hard. And it maybe it will, but it'll be worth it. Number one. And number two, it could be really fun. And number three, 
who knows where you're going to go and what skills you're going to develop. Like it will. I appreciate this. This is a lot of positive things to think about and take back and look at the situation. So thank you. Hey, you're welcome. All right, guys, have a good rest of your night. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Diane. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Bye-bye.